And so this morning in Ephesians, it talks about this. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11 and 12 said, Don't forget that, you're, that you Gentiles used to be outsiders by birth. You were called the uncircumcised ones by the Jews who were proud of their circumcision, even though it affected only their bodies, not their hearts. How I many you know you can, you can wear religion, you can talk about religion, but unless it changes you in the inside, it's worth nothing. Listen, I have peepers, I'm, I have peepers, I have papers, and I'm, I'm licensed, I'm, I'm ordained. But can I tell you something? That does nothing to stand against. When the enemy comes against me, I come, you know, I come to you with my ordination papers. Listen, that's like toilet paper to the enemy. I need to come to him with the power and say, I come in, to you in the name of Jesus. You see, in those days, they were living apart from Christ. How many of you remember living without Jesus? No one. Okay, listen to me. When I preach here, I'm still trying to work on y'all. Y'all are quiet and conserved. Now, the only person I know that's not conservative because he gets on stage is Mike. Okay? But here's the thing is, you see, he says, in those days, you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from God's people, Israel, and you did not know that the promise of God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. I remember living without hope. I remember living without Jesus in my life. And I tried my best, and I know where my best got me. It, may, it, it didn't help. And see, the world in the first century was full of racism and, op- and oppression. You see, when, when you were a Jew and you saw a Gentile and you called him uncircumcised, that means literally you just went, hey, you uncircumcised person. And what happened if you were Jewish and, and, and a person married a Gentile, the Jewish parents would literally have a funeral service for their child. In their eyes, their child was dead. There's so much animosity and so much hatred and violence between the two groups. So we don't have a, let me just say, we don't have a skin problem. We have a sin problem. We don't have, see, the solution to the problem is the death, what Jesus did on the cross for every one of us. Who did all of this for us? None of us could do it ourselves. See, Ephesians says that in chapter 2, verse 13, 14, are y'all with me? You can pull out your smartphone, your Bible, whatever. He says, but now you who belong to Christ Jesus, though you once were far away from God, now you have been brought near to him because of the blood of Christ. His precious blood has forgiven us, has washed us clean from our thoughts, from the things that we deal with. That doesn't mean we don't struggle. That doesn't mean that we don't walk through things, but that we know that we can stand before God and we can be cleansed and adopted as children before him. He says, for Christ himself has made peace between us, Jews, and you Gentiles, by making us all one people. He has broken down the wall of hostility that used to separate us. Paul acknowledged there was a dividing wall of hostility. There's that literal wall standing, there's a literal wall standing in the temple that separated Gentiles from coming into the temple, and only Jews could go in one place. It sounds like societies. You know, it, it, see, there's a little wall. See, I don't think this is a Jewish issue. All cultures, all cultures have walls. Hello? All cultures have walls. Why is that? There's something fundamental 
to human nature that we strive to prove we are better than everybody else. I'm a better athlete. I'm, 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 I'm prettier. I got it going on and she ain't. You know, they're, they're, I got money. I got folding money. They got jingle jangle. You see, I got fame. I'm popular. People know who I am. Or I got status. Remember high school, how stupid it was? You rank yourself how, how athletic you were, how good looking, or how smart. Yeah, I used to go, you know, all the guys that were geeks, and, you know, we make fun of them and stuff, but nowadays you call them doctor, sir, and boss. You see, the most defining wall often is your political persuasion. Come on. All you got to do is watch The View or Sean Hannity. And if you watch The View, they have their side. If you watch Sean Hannity, they have their side. There's, what, you just get hostility. The, only the gospel can care, tear down the walls of racism. Thanks for all these amens this morning. But I'm going to just say this. This word needs to be preached in America. I don't know if you saw it. You know, but, but because of Christ, number one, if you take your notes, we have peace. Ephesians says it like this, verse 14. For Christ himself has made peace between us Jews and you Gentiles while making us all one people. He has broken down the wall of hostility that used to, be, that used to separate us. See, by this, by his death, he ended the whole system of Jewish law that excluded the Gentiles. His purpose was to make peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new person from two groups. The solution is not simply what Christ does. It's the solution is but who Christ is. The solution to war, to terrorism, to racism, violent crime is Jesus. Listen, without Jesus, you're going to do stupid stuff. You're going to believe stupid stuff. Instead of looking for a strategy, we, look, we need to look to a person. His name is Jesus. Instead of placing our hope in politics, we place our hope in him. In his death, Jesus took all social dis- distinction, racial tensions, all forms of human separation, and he was crucified for them. You see, we're called to be peacemakers, to take the gospel of peace, to make peace. I'm going to South Africa where they had apartheid. And they want to know, why are you here? You know, there'll be some, I'm going to go to a district where there's a bishop there that I have had a privilege of being able to minister and to be able to do, and they invited me to come back. And, and so I'm going to go to a whole region and I'm going to be pre- preaching to a lot of different people. But there was, a, there was tension and, and, and if you know anything about the history of South Africa, they had apartheid in 1994. And what happened and during that time that the whites ruled the blacks. They had a heavy hand on them. And now, 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 the, Africa, now the, the blacks are in control and there's tension. Are you hearing me? There's tension, but there's reconciliation taking place also. Because they, they, they've come to the find out that we need each other.
You see, the gospel says this in, in, in Galatians, says there is no longer Jew or Gentile slave or free, male or female, for you are all Christians. You are one in Christ Jesus. Verse 15 says, by his death, he ended the whole system. He ended it. But I love what it says. His purpose was to make peace between Jews and Gentiles. I'm reading again. By creating himself one new person from two groups. Before Jesus, there was two races, Jew and Gentile. But in his resurrection, he created the third race, Jew, Gentile, and children of God. I love that. How many children of God do we got in the house? See, if you're in Christ, your identity is not primarily that you're a white person or a black person or an African American. You are a new person in Christ. You're labeled. Let me tell you what your label is, child of God. So we grow up with labels all the time. But see, here's the thing is, the gospel doesn't mean I cease to be that. It means that I've been bought by Christ. And because of who I am, that I can walk with the power of Jesus inside of me. That I can bring reconciliation. It doesn't matter what tribe. It doesn't matter what what race. It doesn't matter what culture I'm from. Are you hearing me? It doesn't matter. That, you know what? That I'm an ambassador. I'm a representative of Jesus, of his kingdom. I'm seeking his kingdom first. Come on. Not my position. Not my political persuasion. It's his kingdom. Verse 16 says, we are reconciled. Why are we Verse 16, together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death. And our hostility toward each other was put to death. Racial reconciliation is not a social issue. It's a gospel issue. Hello? Because in this generation, we talk about social justice so much. But really, it's a gospel issue. Jesus is the most unifying person in the universe. Can anything be more powerful before a lost world than to see people from all races united in Christ? I was in England a couple years ago, and Pastor Nick, who's from Africa, and uh, he's got a church in London, and, and we were just talking about our testimonies. Brother Keith was with us, and and I said, man, and we started going, how did you get saved? How did you get saved? We all started telling, man, by the end, we were just having a great time. There was different ethnicities. There was a couple of white honkies like me. How did you do it? There were African-English people. And there was an Egyptian. Now, you think about it. The one thing we all had in common, we met Jesus. And he changed our lives. And we were just celebrating in the car together. We had church before we got to church because of what Jesus had done in our lives. Could anything be more powerful to the, than that? You see, imagine enemies who are, who are now eating together, working together, raising their children together, caring for one another, marrying one another. They went from enemies to family. 
I wish I had a picture. I have a, a friend of mine. He's the African-English version of Pastor Jamie, big man. And I preached in his church, and we, had, we picture, and we just go, we are brothers. My brother from another mother. Why are we like that? My pastor is Mexican. He's been here so long. Now we don't call him a Mexican. He's a Mexicoon. He's been in Cajun country so long. So how's God? See, none of us were on the inside. None of us were on the inside. We, we, we were, all this stuff was going on, on the outside, and God had to do something on the inside of us. Let me ask you, how many has God done an inside job on you? You know, I look at everybody differently. What do you mean, Pastor? I see a prostitute and I think of all my righteousness compared to that are just filthy rags. I look at less educated people and I think all my wisdom is foolishness to God. I look at people who have messed up their lives and I think I was dead in my sins. I remember, I remember for eight years I worked and I lived in inner cities all across America. And so I, I was around drug addicts. I was around prostitutes. I was around street people. I was around people that are just messed up. And there wasn't any racial barrier on messed up. When you messed up, you messed up. But I, I would go and I would look at people like that. And I'd go, God. I remember where I came from. I know what, I'm no better than any one of them. I just had an opportunity to someone come and tell me about you, Jesus. I thank God for my grandmother. Because when I stand, she's a patriarch of my family. And I look at her because she loved me, because she made a stand, because she prayed for me. America, let me just say, it's an important question. This is an important question for churches, and this church as well. If you're feeling a little uncomfortable, that's okay. Because, you know, sometimes I feel a little uncomfortable when I have to preach certain messages. And I feel like I really need to share this with you. It's an important question for our churches. If 87% of American churches are racially divided, how can we heal a racially divided country? You know how you do it? A multi-ethnic church fueled by grace of Jesus. That's the, that's the ultimate public. Let me, that, that's the public, that's, that's the public testimony against racism. We had African-Americans and whites worshiping together this morning. Did you see that? Did you see it? That's not, you know what, you know what my prayer is? God, when people walk into our Savior's church, Lord, let them see a reflection of the city, a diversity of the city. Amen? Some campuses, our Opelousas campus, where Pastor Eugene's the lead pastor there, Opelousas, I think it's 60% African-American and 40% white. And he's an Indian. 
Get that. He's an American Indian, by the way. You see, let's look at it. Are y'all with me? Let me, do, let, let me just round up the chapter. In verse 17 through 22, I'm going to read it. He has brought, brought, brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who were far away from him and to us Jews who were near. Now all, of, now all of us, both Jews and Gentiles, may come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. So now you are Gentiles. You are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of what? God's family. You are his house built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Jesus Christ himself. We who believe are carefully joined together, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles are also joined together as part of his dwelling where God lives by his spirit. Paul uses three allegories. What do you mean? What is he talking about for the church? First, he calls us citizens. No longer refugees, not a stranger in another country. You're a citizen. The second thing, he says, you're, you're family. The same father, but we've been, we're adopted kids. We've all been adopted. You know, the crazy thing in Louisiana, it, it has a law that says you can disown your own natural children, but you can never disown your adopted children. In other words, God won't disown you. How many of you have ever just had the temptation to disown one of your children? Once or twice? No one's going to raise their hand. He's sitting next to me. Then he said stones. He doesn't mean getting stoned and smoke something. He means semen it together. You know, I believe when we get to heaven, you know, well, even in the, when they built the temple in First Kings chapter 6, they literally used stones and they, you didn't hear a chisel and you didn't hear a hammer. They brought those stones together and they cemented them together. Do you know when we get to heaven, we're going to be like living stones? How many of you know there's going to be white people, yellow people, brown people, black people, all people under the sun in heaven? It's not going to be one race. Hello? It's not. God's a creative God. Amen? And he gets tired of just having white folk. We've got to have some people that got some soul. Teach us how to step. I'm out of beat. I still, I, I, I mean, I can't, I don't have any rhythm. Honestly, as a pastor, I've done white funerals, African-American funerals, Mexican funerals. Are you hearing me? I like going to African-American funerals. Why is that? Because they just let out their emotions. Sometimes white people, we just kind of, we hold back. I remember doing a funeral, I had a brand new suit, Miss Joyce Etienne, in our, our church in Jennings. I was doing a guy that I actually had baptized as Miss Jean Letchworth's husband, Mr. Kenneth. I baptized him with a cup of water because he was an invalid. He wanted to get saved and get baptized. 
It was a beautiful moment where we just baptized him. Miss Jean's crying. And I did Mr. Kenneth's funeral, and, she, and I talked about that, where he gave his life to the Lord. Miss Joyce comes up to me after the funeral. She goes, mm-hmm, Pastor Bubba, mm, I like that suit, baby. She goes, when I die, she looks at me, I want you to wear that suit. I'm thinking, I don't want you to die. She goes, but when you die, you can do my funeral. I want you to wear that suit. I got to stay skinny to fit in that suit. One of my prayer mentors, Irvin Plummer, who was an alcoholic in Houston, Texas, and three guys came on his doorstep while he was sitting on his porch, and they began to share Jesus with him. And Irvin gave his life to the Lord, and he was my buddy. We were in Olympia, Washington. Here I am from Louisiana. He's from Houston. He's African-American. I'm white. And he just teach me to pray. And he goes, he, used, he didn't call me Bubba. He used to call me Bubba's. He goes, Bubba's, the next time I see you, boy, he says, I want to see some calluses on them knees. In other words, he said, just develop your prayer life, Bubba. Irvin's gone on to be with the Lord. I hope I live next door to him. You see, before we were Gentiles, we, I mean, they said they weren't allowed in the temple, but now they're part of it. No stone is the whole temple. No stone is complete without others. In other words, you can't be complete without other people in your life. The greatest gift God gives us is the people he puts in our lives. Amen? And some of you need some spice. Some of you need some sugar. And that's why God puts other people in your life. Thank you for all those amens. If you want to know Jesus, you must be intimately connected to his body. There's so much of Christ you're going to miss out on if you're connected but if you're, if you're not connected to the body. See, the church is plan A. In fact, it's the only plan God had. The church is the means by which God's Spirit does His work. And let me just wrap this up. Can I, I'm just going to get a little serious. Is that all right? Thank you. The fact of the matter, in this 21st century America... If you happen to be born white, you don't have the same issues that you have to deal with those that, have, that are black that have to contend with. What do you mean, Pastor? Overall, as a white person, you have it easier to be successful. Now, that's a fact. It's not an excuse for violence. It's not an excuse for vengeance. It's not an excuse for bigotry against whites. It's just the same things. It's, it's just the way things have fallen in this world. Our perceptions are shaped by our experiences. Amen? And for us and others, perception is reality, even though it may not be God's reality. How do you overcome racism? Let me give you a couple of things. Is that all right? If you have a pen or paper, write this down. It's just a couple of things. You know how you can remove passivity, be intentional. It's our vertical reconciliation to God that requires us intentionally and then our, our horizontal reconciliation. That's it. In other words, as I'm connected to God vertically, horizontally, 
I can reach out to people that I feel like maybe I have, I have differences with. Hello? Am I making sense here? And see, what has to happen for us is, is that you demonstrate that other groups matter to you. You don't just... It's not just theory. You've got to practice it. Invite people into your home. Have dinner with them that are different in your home. The second thing, recognize and repent of your sin of prejudice. Just repent what it means. God, I'm sorry. I can't believe I... Lord, I don't even know why I think this way. I don't know why I do what I do. God, help me. Recognize it. Repent. Next thing is repair any damage. You know, we're remodeling our house. And how many have ever done a remodel? How many ever built the house? The devil comes out, doesn't he? Okay. My wife and I, I'll just kind of just be honest, we've had a few disagreements this past week. Just a few. And I had one of the guys where I'm building this Cypress thing and he used some scrap instead of the pieces I wanted. I'm going to be honest with you. He's like 6'6". Six, six. I'm like 5, almost 7. And he messed up. I go, dude, man, I, I mean, that's not what I was like a feature thing. You want to have like one piece or two pieces, not three. And he goes, well, I use the scrap. I go, bro, you don't want to use the scrap. I found it. I paid for the, the cypress to be able to make it look a certain way. And I did this. I did something stupid. Can, have you ever done anything stupid? I said, just think about what you're doing. And I touched him right here like this. The next day, the next morning, guess what I was doing? My name's John. I go, John, listen, man, I'm, I'm sorry. Probably made you feel stupid. He goes, you did. Because little did I know that he'd been raised by parents. He never had a good self-esteem. All these different things. And I had to repent. I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? He go, yeah. And I said, can I pray for you? And I prayed for him. And we get along now. But see, I could have left it at that. And look at me. Why are you saying that, Pastor? Because there's been generations that have wounded other people. Are you hearing me? It doesn't matter what side of the aisle you're from, but because they've never dealt with a wound. Or recognize the wound. Or avoid the wound. Or could care less about the wound. Are you hearing me? You got to recognize it. You got to repent. And next thing is repair the damage. And the last thing. Raise, raise your racial IQ. What does that mean? God's means of healing racism in our hearts is through a shared experience with the very people we are prejudiced against. What do you mean? When I was in sixth grade, my favorite friend, my best friend was 
Norbert Norman St. Julian. He was African-American. He was the only African-American in my class in the sixth grade at Cathedral Carmel. And we were friends. He lived down the road from me. But I remember there was like this invisible line. I remember going to his neighborhood one day. People were looking at me. I remember him coming to my house. He felt the same thing. Like, why are you here? And I learned something through that. I thought, I'm not going to live like this. See, Revelation says it like this. Let's see what the scripture says, then I'm going to be done. Listen, this describes heaven. After this, Revelation 7, verse 9 to 10. After this, I saw a vast crowd, too great to count. From every nation and tribe and people and language, standing in front of the throne before the Lamb. They were clothed in white and held palm branches in their hands. And they were shouting with a mouthy shout, Salvation comes from our God on the throne and from the Lamb. Every nation, every people, every tribe will be at the throne of God worshiping Him. See, to separate yourself from the church is to say, I want to be a stone apart from the building. A son or a daughter separated from my family. A refugee away from my country. We've got be the solution we all have a part to play here's my challenge to you your friends people workers that are different you know how you break down walls you know the Bible says if you want to be friends be friendly be friendly I mean, you know, they have some people that have a no face and some people have a yes face when you meet them. You know what I mean? There's just some people that do. They went to George Washington one day. Well, there was a guy watching and he saw this guy. He didn't know it was George Washington. And, and it's a story that, that there was a guy who goes, he needed to get across a creek. And he goes, hey, man, can you give me a ride across the creek on the back of your horse? And he goes, yeah, hop on. So he gave him a ride and his friends got wet and they went across the creek and said, do you know who that was? So yeah. That's George Washington, the President of the United States. And you asked him for a ride. How could you do that? He said, well, because he had a yes on his face. What's, what, is, what does your face say? The Bible says the eyes are the window of the soul. You can look at somebody. You ever ask somebody to do something, they do it, but you can tell their eyes they don't want to do it? Hello? And sometimes you have a spirit that's saying, let's do it. Get out of your comfort zone. But everything inside you goes, are you sure about this? What will people say? What will people think? My question is, what does heaven think? 